what a day that will be. Grab your hymn books now. Stand to your feet. Thank you for being with us on this Sunday morning. Brother Ken's going to come lead us as we stand and sing together today. Amen. Grab your red song book this morning, the old red back hymnal. We'll be singing hymn number 346, one of our favorite songs to sing around here. I know my name is there. We'll sing all four verses this morning. Hymn number 346. Sister Kay's family, Kay Castle, uh, in the home going of her mother. Services will be today. Uh, remember that family if you would. And then also continue to pray for Brother Travis Tincher. Uh, Brother Travis is uh, here, our member of our church and in his mid-90s. He's in Martinsville Hospital. Uh, and then uh, uh, his, wife, his daughter Nadine 
as of course uh, caring for him pray for pastor jerry whitlow a lot of you know brother jerry they're continuing to try to discover his health concerns uh, he'll be heading to a clinic in cleveland and i got about 20 names on my list that folks have given me in the last couple of days i ask you just to remember those but let's put all of that aside now and ask god to bless our services today amen we're here to hear from heaven and so we need to hear his presence today brother wilson come open us up in prayer and let's just go to the throne room together this morning brother chris pray for us buddy shortcomings, Lord, we, we are here assembled in your house on yes, Sunday. Yes, yes. Lord, there's many places in the world that that's not possible, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you that for the grace that you've shown us, Lord, and Lord, just ask that you give our leaders, our president and Congress and just Senate, Lord, you just give them the courage to stand for you, Lord. You give them the wisdom and insight, Lord, that they need. Lord, just keep your hand on them, Lord. We pray for our pastor and his family, Lord, Lord, assistant pastor and his family, our deacons and all our leaders, Lord, that you would just put a hedge around them, Lord, and just protect them, guard them from uh, evil, Lord, and Lord, hide them from the devil, Lord, and Lord, we just uh, dedicate this service to you, Lord, we come looking for a blessing, Lord, we just know that you're in our midst today, Lord, we just thank you for it, Lord, we just ask that the song service would be pleasing to you, Lord, and that the preaching would be what you'd have it to be, Lord. And, Lord, uh, there's many people around us grieving, Lord. Just pray that you'd comfort and strengthen them, Lord. And, Lord, we, uh, there's many here that are sin-sick, Lord. We just pray that you'd just touch that heart, Lord, and let them draw a little closer to you, Lord. And, Lord, if there's one here today that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, Lord, I just pray that you'd draw that person to yourself today, Lord, as only as you can. Lord, everything you do for us, Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory. Lord, you are worthy of all praise, Lord. We ask it all in Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You pray for the choir this morning as we approach our upcoming Ladies' Jubilee and Homecoming with Kyla Rowland. Uh, we're going to be singing songs every week, but she's written our next two songs. Both are penned from the pen of Kyla Rowland. You listen now as the choir sings this morning.
Folks, thank you for being here this morning. I appreciate your presence. I got a, a lot of announcements to go over with you. Before I do that, I, I, I want to say a huge, huge, huge thank you to our church and uh, to our church family for your love that you've expressed to my family uh, during the home going of my mom. What a great service we had last Sunday. I appreciate it. And I know the Saul family feels the same way. And, of course, we've got a third one today with Sister Kay Castle's mother that uh, we'll be burying. Uh, when I was in seminary 125,000 years ago, um, we used to talk even back then about how sometimes it feels like these things come in threes. Um, today's our third. I think we've had enough for a little while. Amen. But uh, there is nothing, nothing, nothing like a church family when you go through the fire. And I sure appreciate ours and the love you showed to me and my family and especially to my dad. I've got some announcements for you today. Because of Kay's, uh, the services for Sister Kay's mother, uh, we will not do evening services tonight. Uh, the burial is over the river and through the woods and way up yonder on the mountain. Uh, so we will not do evening services tonight. I have to share this with you, Sister Kay shared this with me when I'd gone over to visit with the family. Uh, if you know, a lot of you know Miss, Miss Castle's mother. Her name was Margaret Schiff. She was a tried and true Pentecostal. Uh, I mean, like my mother Pentecostal growing up in West Virginia Pentecostal. And uh, when she was uh, in Rocky Mount at the uh, hospital, the chaplain came in uh, and started talking with Mrs. Schiff, um, Kay's mother, and um, she, he asked her if she had a favorite song. He was a singer, and she said, Well, honey, any song you want to sing? So he sang I'll Fly Away, and then he sang Amazing Grace, and he just belted it out, and she just had her little wave, hand-waving time. She loved it. Well, then he said, Miss Shep, before I leave, can I pray with you? And uh, she's a little bit hard of hearing. Well, she's not anymore, uh, but she was a little bit hard of hearing, and uh, she said, What did you say? 
And he said, can I pray with you? And she said, well, sure. And he said he opened his mouth, but she misunderstood because all of a sudden she started praying the power of God down upon the room. She thought he'd asked her to pray. And so he said, uh, she said, I'll be glad to. I got tickled. Uh, the chaplain said when he left it, I feel like I got saved all over again. Amen. I love, love, love that. But you pray for that family if you would uh, as they bury their mother uh, this morning. Several other announcements uh, as you go through our uh, bulletin this morning. Uh, singers and those of you that are helping with the church grounds, a new schedule is posted. Make sure you say that if you would. Today, I'm giving you one last chance uh, for junior camp just because I had a couple others say they, they were, might be interested. Today's the final day. I think we've actually sent the check in, haven't we? We can send another deposit in if we need to. Chaperones are lined up. All of that's good to go. But if you are interested, juniors, you got to do it today. See, Miss Leanne, if, uh, if you haven't told us by the end of service today, we're going to just go with what we've got. Uh, we've got new items listed for our uh, Grace Network, and I need to do a better job, frankly, of telling you about this because we've got lots of folks in our church who've uh, been visiting and, and, and joined recently. Uh, Grace Network does a fantastic job in our community. Uh, we are privileged to partner with them and what they call One Church, One Item campaign, and I'm going to tell you how important that is for me. There is not a day now not a day that goes by where I don't get messages on our phone machine here asking for assistance. And it's incredibly important uh, and useful for me to be able to say we're not set up to provide that kind of assistance, but we partner with someone who is, and so we direct them to Grace Network. What I'm asking you all to do is when you're doing your weekly shopping or your bi-weekly shopping or your monthly shopping, if you would please just pick up the item that is listed for us for April, May, and June. It's dried beans or canned fruit. Now look at me. You can buy that for a buck. You can buy a bag of beans for a couple of bucks. So when you get that each week or each month, if you would please put it in the back, our Grace Network items are in the back, uh, then we take those uh, over to Grace Network, and they work with the folks who are in need, setting them on budget plans, doing the financial management with them, all the things, frankly, that we're not equipped to do. So it's important that we support them as part of their One Church, One Item campaign. They've got some other items listed there that they always run low on, so if you can pick up one or two of those, that would be incredibly useful as well. Those items that we have as other items are not typically assigned to One Church because they're always in need of those things, so if you could help out with that. And then, as usual, we are continuing to collect eyeglasses for the Lions Club mission trips. We've got a bag in the back. If you've got any old eyeglasses, you can put those back there. Then one week from today is, of course, Resurrection Sunday. Uh, uh, we're excited about that. That's the highlight of the year for us. Our Judas bags are here at the front, also at the back. For those who may be visiting, Judas bags, uh, uh, something we started many, many years ago. Of course, you know that the Lord was sold for 30 pieces of silver, so we encourage you to put at least 30 pieces of silver in those bags. You can put $31 bills, or you can put $3,100 bills, and God will bless you for that. Amen. And every penny of that goes to support a special project. And this year, it's going to support our upcoming Ladies' Jubilee, which is just a few weeks away. We will also have our next baptism next Sunday, a week from today. Got the information up here. If, you want, if you've never followed the Lord and Believer's baptism, I can't think of a better day to do that than Easter Sunday. You need to let me know, if you would, please, just so I've got a record of who's being baptized next Sunday. We do that at the end of the services. 
Call your attention to the Ladies' Jubilee. That's coming up in just a few weeks. Hard to believe that it's almost here. Uh, uh, you'll notice that the dates are April the 28th and 29th. All the baskets the ladies are creating for the prizes need to be turned in next Sunday. That's a week from today, right? Next Sunday. There are some additional cards outside on each vestibule for you to invite your friends. Uh, I've had a two or three emails this week from visitors who wanted to know if this is only for our church, and the answer to that is absolutely not. We have dozens of churches that participate typically. Many, many churches come in and uh, dozens of participants rather from other churches. So we're happy to invite them. Any gift cards, any amounts also. Uh, the ladies do this as a little door prize. So if you can pick up a $5, $10 gift card to anywhere, ladies, uh, that would be useful. Bring in two weeks from today on April the 23rd. Then on the 28th, which is the Friday night of the Ladies' Jubilee, that's the meet and greet with food. That will be downstairs. And then Saturday, of course, is no food for the Jubilee. But then on Sunday, April the 30th, is our homecoming, our sixth homecoming for SAGBC. And uh, uh, we will once again have that catered so that the ladies don't have to cook or clean. And every lady said... Amen. The price for that is $6 a person. Uh, we're not paying that. We're paying a good deal more than that. The church will pick up the rest of that. That's open to everybody. $6 a person. And, of course, kids under five eat for free. And then finally, uh, there's going to be a teen young adult activity Saturday, April the 15th. That's this coming Saturday here at the church. Fun food games bring a solid white T-shirt. Uh, and then the golf tournament that we use every year to help raise funds for our teen conference will be Saturday, June the 10th, 1 o'clock tea time. Uh, Brother Ken is once again uh, facilitating that work for us. Uh, uh, and I so appreciate that from the bottom of my heart, his efforts in that. Uh, I think I've told you this before, but I'm getting to the age where I like to repeat my stories and you act like you've never heard them again. When I, when I first started pastoring, I thought I had to play golf. Uh, the pastor that I followed, Brother Jerry Whitlow, was a fantastic golfer. And so I went to some yard sales and I bought a bunch of clubs and I bought me a bag and, and uh, Colonel Crowder, who is at home with the Lord, was also a fantastic golfer. And he took me on three different occasions golfing. On the third time, about halfway through, we were about on hole nine. I kept swinging and missing and swinging and missing. And Colonel Crowder, in his most gentle spirit, looked at me and he said, Preacher, this might not be your game. <laughs> I came home. I tossed those clubs down the steps. My wife said, What is wrong with you? I said, I'm either going to play golf or I'm going to pastor because the words I'm thinking right now won't keep me in that pulpit. Amen. So I vowed never again to have anything to do with a golf ball. Help yourself, Brother Ken. Amen. All right, let's get all the little ones to come on up this morning. If you're heading to Children's Church, Junior Church, you come on if you would, please. And every penny that you give, again, goes to our Ladies' Jubilee. So you help us out this morning. Take off, young folks.
always for your gifts. Gentlemen, make your way down this morning while while they're coming uh, to collect our tithes and offerings uh, this morning. Come on, fellas, if you would. Uh, pray for Brother Wayne Griffin, uh, one of our members here at the church. He'll be having back surgery on Wednesday at Roanoke Memorial Hospital. You pray for Brother Wayne, if you would. Brother Upchurch is going to sing for us. You mind the Lord as you give with his tithes and your offerings. Let's pray. Lord, bless the offering today. God, may it be what you'd have it to be. Again, we're honored to be back in your house today. Bless Brother Upchurch as he sings. Thank you for the great number you've sent our way today. We count it a privilege to be in your house. Bless our preaching time in Jesus' name. Amen. I know our preacher asks you all the time, how many of you feel like you're more blessed than you deserve? And, of course, we all resoundingly say yes, but... Just listen to the words of this song because I think uh, we've had a rough week. This church has been through a lot of uh, stuff in the last week or two, but we're still blessed. And I hope this is a blessing to you. I got a request to do this from a couple of guys in the church that asked me uh, to do it, and so this is the day. disappeared and the sun just started shining through again so Lord help me not to grumble and complain 
explain about the tough roads I have hoed. I'm drinking from my saucer cause my cup has overflowed. And if I should go on living, if the road gets steep and rough, I won't ask for other blessings, cause I'm already blessed enough, and may I never be too busy to help another bear his load. I'll keep drinking from my saucer, cause my cup has overflowed. Yes, I'll keep drinking from my saucer, Lord, cause my cup has overflowed. My cup has overflowed. Let's all stand together one more time, grabbing your red songbook there, hymn number 154, New Name and Glory. We'll sing the first verse, chorus, have a time of fellowship, hymn number 154 this morning.
much. Thank you, as always, for being so courteous to each other and extending the hand of fellowship. Lord will bless you for that. Congregation, I want you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel this morning. 1 Samuel. Downstairs in my study, uh, Sunday school class, we had a, a handful of men this morning. And uh, I, I, I kind of shared a little bit from my heart uh, just about the importance of overcoming spiritual discouragement. <coughs> if we're honest, all of us face discouraging battles. Our heart gets wore out physically. We get tired. And I don't know about you, but when I get physically tired, mentally it becomes a challenge to keep it together sometimes. My mind starts wandering into crazy territory. Don't leave me hanging out to dry, y'all, the same way. These folks are going to sing a song that I think will bless your heart this morning. It reminds you, as Brother Upchurch already said, just how good our God really is to us. Sing it, y'all. chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Several weeks ago, Renee and I were out uh, visiting and had several things to do 
And as we were driving down 57 here, I caught a glimpse of our church sign. I confess to you that I don't take care of the church sign. Brother Biggs does it for me. So I'm always excited to see what he puts up and what he posts there. And he put up something that, that resonated with me. In fact, I stopped, turned the car around, and came back into the parking lot. Renee said, honey, what are you doing? I said, look at what that sign says. He did not realize it at the time when he posted it, but that his wife would soon be diagnosed with cancer. He did not realize the battles that our church members would shortly be facing when he put up that sign. But when he put it up, I instantly got out my phone and began typing out an outline that I never could quite finish until a couple of weeks ago sitting in the hospital with mom. When I finally got it done, I, I scooted it off in outline form to Kyla, and I said, I just finished this outline, and it made me think of you and Brother Bob. She sent me a quick text message back and said, Preacher, I think there's a song somewhere in the outline. But I want you to listen real carefully to what the sign said because it touched my heart. It said simply this, For every Goliath, God has a stone. For every Goliath, God has a stone. The story of David and Goliath is one with which we are all very familiar. Unfortunately, most seem to associate this story as nothing more than a child's story. Like Jonah and the quote-unquote whale, like Daniel in the lion's den, we associate the story of David and Goliath as children's fare, and when we do that, we miss the beauty and the real modern application to our daily lives of this incredible story story. You see, the reality is, folks, as God's youngins, we face an awful lot of giants. We face giants that we never anticipated uh, we'd face. You'll face some next month, next year, that you don't even see on the horizon today. Giants come in every direction. They come from all different places in our lives. Uh, giants of finances, uh, giants of physical ailments, uh, giants of depression, uh, giants of discouragement, and the list goes on and on and on. But I want you to listen to me carefully this morning, church, uh, because for every Goliath you face, for every giant in your pathway, God has a stone. It's not a question of whether or not the stone exists, but rather it's a question, are we willing to do what needs to be done to pick up the stone and launch it in faith? With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to preach to you just on this thought. For every Goliath, God has a stone. Lord, bless the preaching today. God, I pray that you'd use the outline that I know you've laid upon our hearts. Lord, that you'd use it to be a blessing to your folks. Lord, there are undoubtedly this morning people in the sound of my voice who are facing some sizable giants. Giants that it seems like they cannot overcome. Giants that it seems like uh, that the harder they fight, uh, the less ground uh, they give. 
Lord, I pray that you'd use this today to show them uh, that you've got a stone waiting to be picked up. Lord, for those that may be here today that have never been saved, that's the biggest giant we face, this idea that we can get saved whenever we want or we've got another day or another month. I pray that today would be that day of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Throughout the message this morning, we will read several verses in chapter 17. Now I'll give you three points as we look at this thought. For every Goliath, God has a stone. But I want you to note with me, number one, the situation of this story. The situation of this story. Again, most of us know many of the details. We know the characters in the story. But regrettably, far too often, we don't know the backstory that leads up to this situation. I want you to note with me the presence of of the enemy. Let's begin reading in verse number one. Notice what it says. Now when the Philistines, now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, were gathered together at Shochak, which belongeth to Judah. If you write in your Bibles, you need to underline that last clause there, uh, belongeth to Judah. And pitched between Shochak and Azekiah in Ephes Damon. Jump down to verse 4. And there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now jump down to verse 16. And the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. When I was reading this particular passage and preparation for this message, I saw a clause in verse number one that I'm ashamed to admit to you I just never noticed before. I knew that this was a battle between God's people and the Philistines. I knew that the Philistines always gave the Israelites uh, difficulty. I knew that they were always engaged in battle, in warfare. But what dawned on me, and frankly what hit me like a ton of bricks, was where it says in verse number 1 that they were gathered together at Shokuk, which belongeth to Judah. I want you to understand, folks, that the Philistine army was not just invading Israel. They'd set up camp inside of Israel. They weren't just on the outside trying to get in. They done made it on the inside. And in fact, when you look at the end of verse number 1, when it says that they pitched between Shokuk and Azekiah and Ephesdamon, I went into my Bible atlas and looked this up. Not only were they inside of Israel, but they're only about 10 miles from the capital city of Jerusalem. I want you to understand just how real this is. This is not an outside enemy. This is not an external enemy. This is not somebody knocking on the doorstep. This is somebody who's moved inside, who set up camp on the inside, and they're just some days march away from stampeding the very capital city of Jerusalem itself. They're not on the outside. They've invaded on the inside. Church, I want you to listen to me carefully. They were inside the homeland. They were in the heart of the promised land. And they came with one thing in mind, defeat 
Israel. One of the sad commentaries that is real today is this idea, and I hope you'll amen me, many of our giants are not just on the outside, but the enemy loves to set up camp on the inside. In fact, I'm going to be blunt with you this morning. Uh, the greatest danger uh, that churches face today uh, are not problems and giants on the outside, uh, but they're problems and giants on the inside. Uh, what do you mean, preacher? Uh, our church history is littered uh, with difficulties and problems uh, of things that happen not because of the outside mess, uh, but things and problems that happen because of the inside mess. Quick perusal of the church history just of Henry County will make your toes curl. Doesn't take long before you understand uh, that the giants of this world, uh, our enemy, uh, doesn't defeat us uh, on the outside in. He defeats us when he sets up camp on the inside. You mark it down. You can take this home with you and put it in your bank. Satan would love to shut down Stanley Town's Amazing Grace Baptist Church. Brother Bobby said it beautifully today. Yeah, we've had a difficult few days. We've had a challenging few days. But would you listen to me? There's still a cause, honey. There's still a reason to fight. There's still a reason to stand. It's been a challenging few days. But, honey, I will tell you this morning, there ain't nothing like church family. When you're going through the battles, when you're facing the giants, there's nothing like knowing that somebody's praying for you. Notice, not only the presence of the enemy, but I want you to notice the plague of the people. Look at verse number 11, if you would, please. When Saul and all Israel... Let's go back to verse 10 so you'll know what he's talking about. The Philistine, that's Goliath, said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all the Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed, greatly afraid. Go to verse 24. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. As if it wasn't bad enough, that the enemy had made it inside the homeland. As if it wasn't bad enough that they were camped just 10 miles away from the capital city, uh, just a day's march away from literally stampeding and overtaking the entire country uh, by overtaking the capital. Now the army of Israel is reacting to the presence of Goliath uh, by running and being plagued with fear. Now, please don't misunderstand me. Goliath's a big man. But would you look at me? He is one man. He is one man. And there is an entire army of God's people. And I don't mean just a ragtag bunch of soldiers. I mean they're led by Saul the king. They've got the king's tribe. They've got the king's best. They've got the finest of men. But every time this Goliath, every time this giant opens his mouth and huffs and puffs and threatens to blow the house down, they all go running in fear. Sad, 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 but I'm ashamed to tell you that's how it is in a lot of churches today. 
We, we think that we've got it so bad and every time there's a new threat and every time there's a new issue and every time there's a new problem, we get plagued with fear. And I'm afraid today that so many Baptists are plagued with fear that they're afraid to take a stand. Brother Joe Arthur texted me a few days after Mother had passed to express his condolences and he and I began texting back and forth a little bit about this outline I was working on and he said something to me that I had to chuckle when I read. He said, you turn a man-eating lion loose in an average Baptist church and the lion would starve to death. You think about that for just a few minutes. What he's saying is we have given up so much ground. We've turned our back on so many things. We've walked away in fear of so many things that we forget, yes, there's an enemy. And yes, he huffs and puffs. And yes, he's as a roaring lion threatening whom he may devour. But honey, we're on the Lord's side. We're on the God's side. We're in the majority. Yes, there may be more of them than there are of us. But as long as we're on God's team... We're on the winning side. I'm reminded today of a staggering thought. We are afraid to take stands on key issues of the Bible, but you listen to me carefully, church. What we ignore in church today will become accepted in society tomorrow. Amen. What we ignore in church today will become accepted in society tomorrow. Not only do you see the situation, but I want you to notice, secondly, this super-sized giant. You see, number one, the situation. Number two, note with me this super-sized giant. Scripture is very clear on much of the details about this giant but I'm going to make a very blunt statement here that I hope you'll amen me on Goliath was real I read people today and commentators and they'll talk about how this was an allegory or this was an analogy I don't read anything like that in my Bible what I read is that there was a great big old fella and his name was Goliath and you need to understand just everything that the Bible says about him because there is a beautiful picture painted here of the discrepancy between this great big old Goliath and this itty bitty boy David I said itty bitty boy David you see not only was he real but this giant was incredibly taller than David Go to verse 42, if you would, please. Go to verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. You know what the word disdain means? It means made fun of him. He laughed at him. He mocked him. Why? Because it says he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. 
I want to put this in our language. David was a pimple-faced pretty boy. That's what it means. When it says he was ruddy, he was a youngster, probably going through puberty, pimples on him, fair countenance, attractive to look at. Uh, he was by no definition a warrior. He was surrounded by men larger than he. He was surrounded by brothers larger than he. But wouldn't none of them step up to the plate? Go back to verse 4. Notice what it says. There was a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now, if you've got a reference Bible, probably tells you that a cubit is about 18 inches. A span is about nine inches. So when you've got six cubits and a span, you put all of that together, and Goliath was nine and a half feet tall. You say, preacher, you believe that? I believe it if you said it was 27 feet tall. By the way, this is just something you can take home. I, I, I am a big subscriber uh, to Christian science magazines and literature, uh, and there's been a whole race of giants discovered uh, that fit the description. Uh, but would you listen to me? I don't need to see the bones to believe the Bible. But it is nice every once in a while when the Bible is backed up by the bones. Amen. And so when giant Goliath, fee-fi-fo-fum, uh, walked out there, He's nine and a half feet tall. Here's little David, who's probably five feet tall, uh, pimple-faced, uh, pretty to look at, uh, probably white-skinned, red hair, ruddy-looking. Uh, things about him did not scream, uh, warrior. And when Goliath looked at him, he said, you got to be kidding me. You're sending me that, kid? Give me a break. Not only... Was there a discrepancy in size? There was a discrepancy in experience. Again, looking at our text, look at verse 33. Look at verse 33. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Think about that. For the sake of argument, let's say David's 14 years of age. I don't know how old he is. We know he's young. He's the youngest of all his brothers. Let's say that he's 14 years of age. Let's say Goliath is a grown man, and I'm going to show you how I know that. Let's say that he's 50 years of age. He's been fighting for 45 of those years, and David has never known what it's like to be in battle. So not only do you have a discrepancy in size, but now you've got a discrepancy in experience. You've got a warrior who's facing a kid. Everybody says, that kid ain't got a chance. Keep reading. Not only was there discrepancy in size, discrepancy in experience, but there was a discrepancy in weaponry. There was a big difference in what Goliath had and what David had. Look at verse 47. Excuse me, verse 5. Excuse me, look at verse 5. Excuse me. Look at verse 5. And he, he is Goliath, 
had a helmet of brass upon his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. You know what that means? That's one of those chain-link armor pieces. Chain-link inside. Notice what it says in verse 5. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. Just so that you'll understand, the armor that he's wearing weighed 125 pounds. The armor that he's wearing weighed more than a kid weighs. 125 pounds. Keep reading. Verse number 6, he had greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam and his spear's head weighed 600 shekels of iron. And one bearing a shield went before him. Uh, so not only uh, does he have 125 pounds of armor, uh, the tip of his spear uh, was 15 pounds of weight. He's got so much armor on him. Uh, this is a warrior, uh, and he's got somebody in front of him who's walking uh, with a shield. This is one tough dude. I'm telling you, church, he's not to be played with. Uh, this is a monster of a man. Uh, he was a roaring lion, if you would, covered in armor, uh, a, a, a spear uh, with a tip that weighed 25 pounds. Uh, he's so tough uh, that he doesn't even carry his own shield. Uh, somebody's walking in front of him carrying his shield. What does David have? What does David have? Slingshot. But he's got something else. Look, if you would, please, at verse 45. You see, everybody saw what Goliath had and said, Poor David. What they should have done is seen what David had and said, Poor Goliath. Look at verse 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and a spear and with a shield. Whoop. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord God of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. And go back to verse 37. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. Good golly, Miss Molly, this kid's got it going on. Everybody looks at David and said, He's no match for Goliath. They should have looked at Goliath and said, He's no match for David. They said, look at all the armor. Uh, look at all the weaponry uh, that Goliath has. Uh, what they did not see uh, is that David uh, had the shield of faith. Uh, he had the sword of the Lord. Uh, he was clothed from the top of his head uh, to the soles of his feet uh, with the power of God. And you look at me. Yes, we've got a giant. Uh, and yes, he's a roaring lion. But he is no match for the Lion of Judah. Amen. Notice. Number one this morning, the situation. Number two, the supersized giant. You see, not only was that giant real, but that giant just kept returning. Again, verse 16 says, And the Philistines drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty 
days. In the morning, here comes Goliath and says, fee fi fo fum could anybody handle this one? And here they go running. And so Goliath goes back and has his 27 pounds of beef for lunch and comes back out evening, fee fi fo fum uh, the big dude is back for anyone. I'm just making this up off the top of my head. I think it's pretty good. <laughs> and nobody will step up. And tomorrow, it's the same thing over again. And the next day, and the next day, and it gets to the point where Goliath says, is there nobody in the Israelite army? Is there nobody who's got a backbone? Is there anybody who will stand up and fight? Where is your God, Jehovah? Why won't he help you? And the more he talks, the more they run. Would you look at me, church? If you're like me, there are some giants in your life that are temporary. You beat them today and they seem to vanish. And then there are some giants that are a bit more frequent. They are nuisances that continually make their presence known from time to time. You whip it today, but next month it rears its head again and you got to fight it all over again. But then there are giants in our life that just seem to never let up. Giants that will not leave us alone. Giants that will not go away. And these tend to be the things that we don't like to talk about. Things like discouragement. Things like depression. Things like these things that we just think will make us look bad as a child of God. But would you look at me? Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world talk about the situation we talk about the supersized giant but I want to talk about the third element this morning and it is the element that I think may be the most important and is the element that is seldom talked about you see the situation you see the supersized giant but I want you to notice the stones I want you to notice the stones Again, as far as I know, I've never preached about the stones. I've never heard preaching about the stones. But the more I thought about it, the more I prayed about it, the more I read about it, the more I realized this is really the main element of this story. What do you mean, preacher? Well, most of you know that the stones were smooth. In fact, the Bible is very clear about that the Bible is very clear that these were not just ordinary rocks these were smooth stones and I thought to myself why does that matter I mean what does it I, I had a slingshot when I was a kid I, I, and, and we would just pick up gravel out of the driveway but it dawned on me why David would be seeking out smooth stones. You understand that if you grab a piece of gravel with its jagged edges and its imperfections, uh, that it's going to tumble and go every which direction. But if you grab a smooth stone, it's like a missile. <laughs> that smooth... 
You like that? Amen. That, that smooth stone you can control. You can determine where it goes. You can control the trajectory of that smooth stone in a way that you never could if you threw a rough piece of rock. I want you to listen carefully, church. As modern believers today, we need some spiritual stones in our weaponry. You know, our, our, our stones are oftentimes jagged and rough. And, and, and let me ask you a question. Those of you who know the story, there was only one place to find smooth stones. By the brook. By the brook. So when it came time, when it came time, when David had heard enough, when David said, I am tired of this fella running off at the mouth. Saul comes up and says, all right, big boy, you think you can fight him? Here's the armor. Here's a sword. And David looks at it. It drowns him. He says, I can't wear this. I got something even better. He leaves the presence of the king, and he goes down to the brook, and he looks around, and he grabs him a handful of stones. I like that one. I like that one. Let's go, boys. He found what he needed when he got to the brook. Now, those of you who've been in my church long enough, you know that water is always moving water in Scripture. is almost always a type or a symbol for the Spirit of God. I don't want to go on a typology rabbit trail, but I want you to listen to me real carefully. The stones that we believers need, they're not found uh, when you talk to somebody else. They're not found when we start gossiping. They're not found when we start running things down. They're not found when we start losing control of our temper. When we need the stones to face the giants, the only place you'll find what you need is by the river of life, by the Spirit of God. May I say to you this morning, we've done our fair share of rock throwing. It's time for us to pick up a few smooth stones to put in our arsenal. But not only were the stones smooth, they were sufficient as well. I, uh, I got chuckled or tickled. I chuckled when I read some things. Most of you know, how many stones did he pick up? Five. I can't tell you the number of commentators that I read who think that David picked up five because he had a moment of weakness because he questioned his faith as to whether or not he would need five or one or two or three I even read a few commentators who very eloquently waxed prolifically about how five is the number of grace and God do you think David knew that five was the number of grace before there was even an age of grace can I tell you why I think David picked up five stones? You go look tonight at 2 Samuel chapter 21, verse 22, and you'll find where Goliath had four boys. 
So I think in the back of David's mind, he thought, I'm going to have to whoop Goliath, and then I'm going to have to take down him four boys too. So I can just imagine that Goliath up there laughing, making fun. David bends down and says, there's one for Goliath. Here's one for Ishbibonot. Here's one for Gath. Here's one for Goliath Jr. That was his name. And then here's one for that strange one that I don't know his name, but it's got six fingers and six toes, and Lord, he looks weird. I got five to take out every last one of them. Hey, you look at me, church. The stone that you pick up tomorrow uh, might tackle the giant tomorrow, uh, but you better stay on your knees. Uh, and you better quit, keep looking for some stones uh, because you got new giants that will be facing you tomorrow uh, and the stone for yesterday uh, will not suffice for today. And then I thought about something else. That stone was not only smooth. The stone wasn't just sufficient, but the stone could only be acquired by stooping. Think about this for just a second. David could find rocks anywhere. But in order to get the smooth stones, had to get real low. <laughs> had to get real low. Had to get down there where the water was overriding the stones, where it was flushing over. Because you understand that it is the running water that smoothed these stones out. So, in order, I can just say it this way in order to get the best stones, David had to get on his knees and find them. Hey, child of God, we've thrown rocks of gossip. We've thrown rocks of accusation. We've thrown rocks of Facebook posts that we have no business posting. It's high time that we got on our knees and clamped our mouths and got off the blasted phone and keyboard and start finding some stones that we can use to tackle our giants. Finally this morning, not only were the stones sufficient, not only were they smooth and the believer had to stoop, but finally, I want you to understand that the stone when launched, was successful. Let me let you in on a little secret. It wasn't the stone that caused Goliath to fall. Did you hear me? Contrary to what we tell the children, it wasn't the stone that caused Goliath to fall. How do you know, preacher? I want you to look in your text one more place. Verse 49. Verse 49. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it. That's how I know God's a southerner. Amen. It'd be even better if he said he flang it. Amen. And smote the Philistine in his forehead and the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon his face to the earth you say whoa whoa preacher I'm reading that plainly it says that the stone hit him right there and he fell brother Ken come here buddy stand right up here on top 
You get to be the mean, oh, ugly Goliath. Ugly Goliath. And I'm the young, handsome David. You've been fee fi foing around, and I've been coming in the name of the Lord. You see, if I pick up a stone, and I fling it at his forehead, and it hits him right here, I don't care where he is, which way is he falling? Backwards. You can go sit down. I just so wanted to do that. <laughs> I don't care where he's standing. I don't care the precipice he's on. If a stone hits him in the forehead, the trajectory and the weight and the power of that stone knocks him backwards. But that ain't what happened. The stone didn't kill him. It was the faith that David said, me and God, we got this. It was the faith where David launched that stone. And that stone smacks Goliath right in the forehead. And I can imagine him going, and God goes, and he falls flat on his face. And David looks around, and everybody's going, Oh my gosh, did you see that? Look at what he did. And David goes, I told you. What were you worried about? Yes, he's big, and yes, he's bad, and yes, he's ugly. But he ain't nothing compared to the power of my God. Now you look at me, church, I'm done. There are some folks in here this morning you got some battles. You got some giants. You got some Goliaths. But for every Goliath, God's got a stone. I want to close. I'm done, I promise. We're not going to be. Just give me 30 more seconds. I promised myself and everybody that I would not inundate you with stories of my mother for the last two weeks but I'm going to close with one actually not even about my mama but it happened during the course of my mother's home going when my mother made the decision to, to stop treatments that was a Wednesday God gave us a wonderful day Wednesday oh we talked and we laughed and she went over every she was more lucid on that day than she'd been in two years it's just the grace of God. My whole family was there. James, of course, was sick, wasn't able to be there, but we were there. Everybody was able to talk and laugh and cut up and commute. Just a wonderful day. That night was rough. I stayed at nighttime. They had gone home, and Mom was hurting bad. She's in a lot of pain Thursday night, Wednesday night, Thursday morning. Thursday morning, they came. The hospice center did, and to pick her up and man she was hurting they gave her pain medicine and nausea medicine and all that stuff that you have to do and as they got her up on that gurney she just hurt so badly I went laid up my head over and I prayed with her and I tried so hard M mother never shed a tear her faith was so strong never shed a tear during any of it and I was bound and determined if she wasn't going to cry I wasn't going to cry in front of her 
So I put my head down beside her on the pillow, and I just prayed with her in her ear. Lord, give her a peaceful ride. Don't let her get sick. Lord, ease the pain, blah, blah, blah. And they took her out, and I'm in the room and gathering up all of her stuff. And, you know, you know what's happening next. You know what's coming. And I'm walking out of that hospital, and I can barely keep it together. I'm just going to be honest with you. I could barely keep it together. And I'm walking out, and I felt like everybody was staring at me. You know, all the nurses, bless his heart. I get on the elevator. I've got my head down. And in walks the most elegant, short, little African-American woman. Crown of silver hair wrapped around her head. She looks, she had to be 75, 80 years old. She looked up at me and she says, Oh, son, I don't know who you are, but my soul, you look like you need a hug. And that precious little African-American woman came up to me and she reached her arms around my neck and she pulled me down to her chest. And I just cried, and I cried, and I cried. You're going to think I'm making this up, but God is my witness. We got down to the floor, and I grabbed my stuff to get off, and I turned to say thank you, and she's gone. Now, you might that might not fit your theology. I don't know where she went, because I, I can tell you at her size, she wasn't running. Thank God sends us angels unawares. And in so doing, he reminds us, you've got giants, but I got the stone. Stand to your feet this morning. Nobody's looking. Heads bowed and eyes closed. I appreciate your kindness this morning. I want to ask you two questions. And I want to talk to the believers first. Nobody's looking. And folks have already started coming to this altar, and I appreciate it immensely, but I want to ask you two questions. Number one, you say, Preacher, man, we're facing a giant. And God's got to give us the stone because we can't face this one by ourselves. Can I see your hand? I'm seeing an awful lot of them go up. Bless your heart. Before Brother Ken sings the first note, why don't you step out right now? Come on, step out right now. Because I want to tell you this morning uh, that my life is a testimony, my family's life is a testimony that yes, you've got giants, but your God has got a stone that can handle that giant. Let me ask you a second question this morning, and this is to everybody in the building. I want you to search your heart. You say, preacher, I'm facing the biggest giant of all. That's my eternal destiny, my salvation. I don't know for 100% sure that if I died right now, heaven would be my home. I promise you, I won't embarrass you, but I'm going to pray for you right now. Is there anybody in the building that would say, Pastor, pray for me? I'm just not sure of my salvation. Thank you. I see that hand. I appreciate your honesty. Anybody else say, Pastor, I'm just not sure. Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you, ma'am. Anybody else that would just say, I'm just not certain. 
Let me say to those of you that raised your hand, Jesus loves you so much that he died for you. Left the portals of heaven crucified on an old rugged cross uh, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. If you'd be willing to step out, if you're with somebody, they'll come with you. Come on down to this altar uh, and let us show you how you can walk out of here uh, raising your hand to say, I know that I'm saved. Brother Ken's going to sing us a song, uh, just a verse. And I want to implore you, if you raise your hand to say you're lost, step out right now before it's too late. Come on, would you come this morning? My Brother Ken sings. Don't wait. Don't put it off. Come right now. Sing for us, Brother Ken. I need, I need thee every hour. Every hour. Oh, would you come? one more time. I want everybody to sing it this morning like you mean it. And I want to implore you to raise your hand that you're lost. Step out right now. Please, would you come? I need thee. I need thee. 